Yo, what's going on? Y'all, it's your boy So So. In case you ain't no so, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, we got friend of the program, Jesse, joining us, and we're talking combat sports as we were in attendance for BKFC 26. We're also talking about the Marlins splitting their latest homestand as we look forward into the week of sports. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Yes, sir. We're back in the building. Another episode. Oh, man. Yeah. What a weekend. What a weekend. What a weekend, What's man. up, boys? Good to see you guys. Look at the man right here the hour. Jesse, what's up, brother? Thanks for having me again, man. What a week we had. Absolutely. Um, bro, what a great weekend. I'm sure we all had a f- fun weekend. It all started it off correctly for us on Friday night. Um, we got together with the boys, and we were able to head out to the Hard Rock to Watch some bare knuckle fighting championship, bro. And not only did we get to witness that fight and we saw all the fights on the main card and we saw the last fight of the prelims as well. Um, the atmosphere, bro. I don't know about you guys, but I was taking it back for how packed it was and how many people were in attendance, how many people were watching. Shit was a big deal. Well, the one thing that Jesse kept saying was, man, this thing is more full than when I came for the Bellator match. Wow. You would think mixed martial arts would have a bigger draw mm-hmm. than, you know, just bare knuckle by itself. But it's, it's getting some momentum, man. There definitely was a lot of people there that night. Yeah, there was a lot of people in attendance. And Jesse, you know, you said you were there for a Bellator event. How would you compare the Bellator event to what we were there with the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship on, th- on Friday? You know, looking at both events, I would definitely say the Bare Knuckle Fighting is growing at a different pace. You know, Bellator is probably a bigger promotion. You know, it's a, it's the runner-up promotion to the UFC, but this is a different, you know, they're not really competing in that sense, right? They're they're taking advantage of a lot of the uh, hype from other fighters from other organizations that get a chance to basically partake. And they also have celebrities kind of joining into the, you know, into these fight leagues and putting those cards together. So I think it's uh, growing at a different pace because there's, they're not really competing with anybody else, right? They're kind of doing their own thing. Um, this is a lot of dead money for sure for that organization because it's going to take them a long time to, to start recouping uh, some of that cash flow back for that organization. But what they're really doing is getting big fights, big names week after week, and that's why I told you guys, man, this is a lot more packed uh, than it was in any event I've been here. I went to the BKF uh, 19, and uh, there was four title fights, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't yeah, that but you, you also mentioned that for a BKFC 19, they were still working out the kinks. There was like 25 fights that night. You guys got there at like 8 o'clock, didn't yeah. leave till like 4 in the morning. There was no food. You guys had like one beverage, like water, or like piss. Like it was yeah. It was a rough It rough was a night. rough one. And what we saw was a pretty good production. I mean, the Hard Rock does it right. Everything they do there, they're doing it on another level down here in South Florida, right? And we saw... Uh, a, almost a packed house. You know, there was empty seats out there, but as the night went on, you could see more and more people filing in and the support, you know what I mean, that, that fighters had from coming from our section. You know, there was family and friends of all of the fighters that were there, and it, it was it felt like I was at a UFC fight. You know what I mean? Absolutely, bro. You could tell that people traveled, right? Not only to support it, 
their their fighter or whoever they were supporting, but to go enjoy the rest of the fights as well because they knew it was a stacked card, right? It was really a stacked card. There was two championship belts on the line, um, a really interesting fight in the women's division, right? That could, oh, interesting. to say the least. That's not the adjective I would have used. Yeah, to say the least, you know what I mean? But like in the sense of there's a little bit of everything for the fan who's, who loves to see fighting and who loves to see bare-knuckle fighting, and people got what they paid for, man. And there were people there from all over the nation, bro, really, that traveled to come see a fight and support somebody, you know? And um, that's big. And it's like Jesse said. It means that the sport is growing rather exponentially because if, if seven big-time events ago – you were at a place where the food was running out. You couldn't serve enough alcohol. You had a mismatch of, of fights. You had 20 people lined up to fight. You know what I mean? Like 20 cards. That's that's a lot. And now you've found a way to streamline it, to turn it into an amazing production. The two commentators did a great job of prepping the whole night. No, no. Well, hold on. We got to talk about something here. Talk okay? Because Jesse and I, <clears throat> right, we had one vantage point on the whole night <laughs> from where we were sitting. But somebody here, the guy with the podcast named after him, had the best seat in the house. I mean... 100%. Tell, 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 tell everybody about your experience. Okay, so as you guys may or may not know, we usually try to get credentials to get into different areas where we can record some footage or maybe get to talk to some people and deliver the fans some type of behind-the-scenes access, right, they, that they wouldn't get anywhere else normally. And we were able to... To apply for it, um, shout out to Victor Bermudez, again, friend of the program, uh, main supporter here. Hooked us up with a contact by the name of Bernie uh, Basmari. Shout and out to Bernie, too, man. Big dude, um, big hearted, uh, big, like, c- commending, like, spirit. Like, he's very giving, very nice person. Um, shook a million hands that night, took pictures with everybody. And that guy is the one who pretty much connects people like us, right, who are interested in bare-knuckle fighting, interested in letting other viewers know about bare-knuckle fighting. And, man, we spoke. He was able to hook us up with a media credential, and I was able to sit behind the scenes, and I got a perfect seat in the house. I was right next to the walkway where the, the, walkway where the fighters were coming out of. I was also sitting behind the... Um, Ring, Steven, you were yeah. sitting on the ring. Come on, <laughs> I was the, that close. The only, the only other person that had a better view than you was, was the, the ref. ref. That's it. And I was sitting behind the ref, so every time there was a fight or something would happen in the round, like I got to hear it straight from the referees and the commission who was right there, um, no. and the announcers who were announcing the fight, like maybe five feet away from me. So, and not to mention because of the fact that it's an auditorium, Jesse, Jesse pointed out during the fight, he's like, bro, and he's getting the crowd reaction. Cause every, you're literally sitting facing oh, yeah. the crowd. Yep. So the fight's going on and you can see behind them, everybody going nuts, nuts, nuts. It, it was so, such a dope, dope experience. Again, big shout out to Bernie. Thank you so yo, much. brother. For shout out to up. Bernie. We appreciate you. But next time, homie, Let's get three of them media passes need, so we can we get some, hook, hook the some boys better up. coverage, man. Hook we are putting up. you guys on. Help, help a brother out. Hook us up, man. And he did hook us up. You know, he we, gave, we got he those did. cool ass uh, BKFC 26 mats. Um, Jesse got to walk home with, with one of them, and, and we have the other one here. Like you said, though, we got to get the autographs next time yeah. on that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we're going to get it a chance because um, one thing that we were able to take advantage and really experience there at the event, and that's something cool that Bear Knuckle offers that not another. No other promotion I would say uh, offers is you get a, a chance to interact with the fighters. You get a, a chance to go and talk to them, you know, shake their hand, tell them, hey, I enjoyed what you did tonight. Whatever show you put on or whatever heart you showed, I appreciate it. Thank you. That shit was amazing. 
you know, and you don't get to do that. You know, the usually the guys who are big time boxers or whatever, even a certain amount of yeah, you're, stature, you're in and out. You're in and out. You know, you do your thing, you fight. Ah, I'm going to the club for the after party, or whatever. I'm going home. Here, you get to actually see the guys and talk to them and, and take pictures with them and, and really get to see them as a person. And it's it was great for for me personally because you don't know what it takes to to get into a sport like that, and it's just a different level of competing, bro. Steven, it's like they say, man, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And I'm sure that you learned a lot uh, sitting ringside because I'm sure that the amount of detail you saw uh, in terms of uh, what the coaches are kind of telling the fighters and how the fighters, I'm sure, because I, I saw a couple fighters chit-chatting while they were fighting, yep. going at it. So I'm sure that was a really interesting experience. Absolutely, bro. And we're going to get into it right now, as a matter of fact. Let's, start let's with do this, it. Let's start with the first fight, man. We had... Um, Kerry Caprio versus Tyler Randall. And Tyler Randall was a veteran. He had won his first fight in BKFC. And this was Kerry's first BKFC event. The way I refer to these two fighters, I think these are the two fighters I refer to as tatted up and not so tatted up. Yes, one of them is not so tatted up and the other no, one, one is No, one of them literally up. had just one one tat like right here. The other dude, the dude that won was like just straight tatted up, yeah, dog. Yeah, he was tatted up everywhere and that was the winner, Carrie, um, who won on his and got his first win in the BKFC in impressive form. Um, I felt like in the fight, you don't really get a sense for it when, when you're far watching it on TV. But sitting that close, I got to see how these guys were conditioned. And the effect that some of the body blows really take like take damage away from their opponent. Um, I don't know about what, what you guys experienced in this first fight. But when I saw him land two body blows, I kind of saw uh, uh, Tyler kind of backing down a little bit. And saying, like, maybe I don't want to take it no more. And as soon as he dropped his hands a little bit, Kerry came through and just flushed him, bro. Body, body, head. Yeah, right. You know, that's what he did all, all night. Body, body. He worked the body, softened the body up, you know, and then he started working the head. Once he, he didn't like those body shots and he started covering up the body, you know, that's when he started lunging in and throwing everything into it. One thing I noticed about the fight, though, uh, just the whole fight card, man, is you, you see people, uh, some of the fighters strategically use their tank. Mm. Right, they're they're uh, more careful with what strikes they throw and and how they throw it. Right, some of them are taps. They're tap 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 heavy shot. Uh, it's not so much everything is power. It's about kind of anticipating where your opponent's going to move and you're going to try to wing your shot into that location. Um, and I noticed in a couple different fights that you can tell that a lot of the fighters are preserving their energy to to get that one big blow. Right, because essentially. That's all it really takes in these fights. I mean, how many first round or second round knockouts did we see in this? No, fight? we saw three in a row. I mean, this first fight that we're talking about, it was one. The first fight went three rounds, yeah. and Tyler <laughs> actually won the first round because he was he, able to inflict a lot of damage. He there. dropped Kerry in the first round, actually. Yes, he put yeah. a jump to his knee. I think I got a, a shot of that. Yeah. Um, Tyler had a whole gallery of people there that were cheering him on and going crazy. So like, we were like, all right, he's a local kid coming off a win. Um, this other kid, Kerry, making his debut. We, we didn't know what to think. Fight starts. Tyler, you know, starts off hot. Drops Kerry. It's like, okay. This kid came to fight, but Kerry, man, just bounced back. Hell of a fight, man. Those next two rounds he put together, he just pieced them up. Yeah, that third, that third, that second round was really the transition because that's where I saw Kerry's uh, conditioning take place. And like Jesse said, once he started hitting the body blows, the head became available, and and Kerry started landing some really hard rights. I noticed, and he landed two really hard rights to end the round. And I was like, damn! Not only did he win the round, he's like really punishing this dude Tyler, and I don't think he's gonna last long. And sure enough, yep. uh, Kerry landed his. Uh, a, 
you know, premium right, and the body was too much beat up for Tyler, and he couldn't take any more punishment, and he ended up succumbing in the third round. A huge win for for Kerry, and, and I think in that division, in that flyweight division, he's he's dangerous in that in that flyweight division because he has good cardio. Jesse said it. If he can protect his tank, there's no telling how much damage he can do or take, really. Because that's part of it too. How much can you take when you when you're absorbing that that damage, right? And how much is it going to waste out of your tank? How much are you willing to give in that exchange, Oof. right? Because where are you in that exchange? Where's your tank in this one exchange that's about to happen? And then on top of that, you don't want to second guess yourself in the exchange, right? You don't want to you don't want to be uh, reactive. You want to have some instinct in the in that exchange. You don't want to react based off of your opponent because then you're just playing counter. Uh, and then if your opponent is a good a counter puncher, then he might counter your counter. So there's like so many different levels to uh, some of these small little exchanges that you that are so detailed. And I'm sure you got a good uh, a good snapshot of what that looks like. Absolutely, man. And and in that, again in that fight, we saw Kerry take the win, right? His first win. But then in the next fight after that, between um, Justin and and Gogo Gorjan, you saw another technical. This, this is what I'm upset about. Why? Because I walked away to get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome, dude. Why does that always happen, dog? He didn't, he didn't walk away. He ran, bro. He got back in. Like he was like, "All right, I'm gonna, minutes. I'm gonna be right back." Literally, I got back thinking that like I was gonna catch the fight just starting. No, they did that. Like I left as soon as the other fight was done. Right. And then I got back, and then this next fight was done. Awesome. And I'm like, what did I miss? So awesome. And everybody just has their mouth open, like, you just missed a face plant. Yeah, man, because Gogo really, really put some hurt on Justin, man. And credit to Justin because he kept coming forward in that fight. Gogo got him real early. He rocked him really early with a hard-ass right and dropped him. And I was like, uh-oh, Justin's in trouble. <laughs> and the way that the punch sounded, I was like, I know he's hurt because when he got up, he got up slowly. And I was like, shit, he's not going to last. And sure enough, Gogo kept the pressure on him, kept coming forward, kept coming forward. And again, credit to Justin because he absorbed those punches. He got hit so hard that he went like kind of through the ring, right? <laughs> Gogo backed you. off. Remember? he? Well, you don't remember because you didn't I see it. I saw the yeah. replay. You remember. Justin took a video. Well, he, he, he backed off because the referee kind of looked like he was getting ready to knock, like, count him out or stop the fight. But Justin, again, coming forward, harder of a line, got inside the ring and Gogo said, well, here comes the left. And just cold clocked him and face planted him, like Jesse said. But let me ask you a question because you were, you were right, literally right in front of them. I was there. You were there. Let me ask you, when that exchange happened that he hit him, right, and, uh, you know, the guy with the long ponytail, I think his name is Gor- Gorgian. Gorgian. Gorgian kind of went through the ring, right? There was a quick No, split. that's Justin. Justin. Justin went through the ring. Justin went through the ring. There was a quick moment there where he kind of came off, and like you said, his opponent kind of backed off, mm-hmm. but the ref didn't really come to, to you know, hey, mm-hmm. all right, you know, come fight again. Uh, and then he's like, oh, you know, he's hurt. I just punched him through the through the through the through ropes, ropes. Um, and then that's when he just like okay I'll tee him off uh, and at, and did you feel that there was like that moment there where hell yeah I noticed it because like it was right to my left and I can see them like perfectly clear because since there's nobody on the walkway the cameraman's not there I can see the action right so when I saw that happening where the referee was kind of like gauging what was happening to happening to Justin and to see whether he comes out of it or not. I noticed, like, okay, he's willing to let him fight. And when they came back after the fight was over, you know, I asked him. I was like, hey, you know, that's is that not a knockdown? And he was like, well, I looked at his eyes, and he looked at me like I'm coming back in. So he looked okay. So he was like, all right, this guy's ready for action. And he was 
again, hands up in a position where he was defending himself and ready to fight. When this dude came back in and the referee was like, hey, it's a free, you know, the fight's still on because he never stopped it. Boom. That's when he cold clocked him. And the and the commissioner told him, I was like, the commissioner told the referee who didn't stop it. He told him, you did the right thing because he came back into the ring. It wasn't a knockdown. Yes, he hit him and he moved into it, but it's not like he fell through the ropes because those the way the ring is designed is to kind of, you know, prevent you that from in. happening. Yeah, yeah which, it's supposed which, to push you back in. I, I love I love what they the jargon what they jargon it's not the octagon it's not the ring it's the square circle the square circle kept hearing that all night all and night I was like you know what I dig it because it's a square but the ring itself is circular correct so it's the square I like that it's nice man yeah uh, and it, and it works yeah, it works for absolutely. the sense of what it is that you're trying to do you're trying to end the fight with as less blows as possible you know when I was talking with Bernie um, ringside I was telling I I was telling him like this is the way that it should be for a lot of the heavy guys, especially because yeah, you get hit once on the bun or whatever, you're out and you're not taking 300 jabs a night. And one of the fights that we saw the, you know, the person landed like 17 jabs and you saw how devastating it was to, to see 17 straight bare knuckle jabs land in a row to somebody's face. Like imagine with the glove happening 10 times that amount, that's that shit gets rough. Um, but that was a great fight. Gogo gets that impressive victory. He moves forward in, in the division, which is a stacked division, that, that welterweight division, because those guys who were fighting for the belt that night are some monsters. And um, we're going to have to get into those guys as well. But I wanted to talk about one's fight in specific, Jesse, because you and I noticed the same thing at the same time. And this is between Bad, Blake, um, and what's the other dude's name? Ah, oh, he's escaping me. Blake Davis and Cody uh, Barrier. Bad Blake, man. This dude, a big dude. Like, when we saw him after the fight and we were talking to him, like, you could tell that his size advantage is really something to deal with. The way that this guy was moving in the ring, I was like, this guy's not a regular, not a regular boxer. This guy's a next-level elite boxer. And you can tell because he was just tucking his shoulders in so nicely every single time that that the other dude threw a shot Cody would throw a shot and he would boom evade block a little bit turn and then bam shoulder rolling and countering nasty and he really you're right man he looked like a next level boxer hard to believe that this 6'5 monster of a person weighs 179 pounds he weighed in Lighter than his opponent. That's wild. And his opponent was also 6'2". There's two giant guys going Big at dudes, it. Big dudes, man. With no gloves. And mad respect to him because, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this here shortly, but, uh, man, he had a, you know, he suffered an injury in the fight and, you know, continued and, and, and showed that, like, that perseverance, man. He, he really pushed through. And, and he like, did. It, you, we don't know what, what the extent of the injury was, but the fact that, you know, he kind of looked at his, his hand, it's probably... Uh, it's, it's yeah. definitely messed up. Yeah. It's definitely One, messed 100. up. I mean, look, um, you know, while I was there sitting and I'm, I'm watching just Blake, again, not necessarily, I don't want to say like just dominate in an aggressive way. No, it was an art form that he was displaying because Cody was moving. He was very energetic. This dude was not just standing there waiting for Blake to hit him in the face. You know what I mean? He's ducking. He's moving. He's like. I will say this, so. It takes a lot, dude, I, to, I, to I, do that. I totally get it. I, I give props to everybody that steps in the square circle Yo. and does what they do. <laughs> I totally get it. Not to take away from Blake's victory, you know, impressive, you know, um, stature, impressive, you know, length and reach and everything. Like that's obviously going to be an advantage in this, right. in this B- BKFC. Um, 
But the other kid, was it Cody? Yeah. You need to hang it up, dog. I would say hang up the gloves, but <laughs> he, he ain't got no gloves, so you just need to, like, go put a shirt on and Yo, go work. Yo, my man, with all due respect. With he, all due respect, homie. I mean, with you all gave it your respect. all, but, bro, honestly, I saw that kid, and I'm like, this kid's not a fighter, bro. Nah. Nah, some people the way, just don't the have way it. He, do, he doesn't. I mean, it just down to, like, the basic boxing training, I don't think that kid's ever had it. He looked like he got out of rough and rowdy from Barstool Sports the other day. And I was like, all right, I want to keep fighting. And, like, BKFC's going to give me a shot fighting this giant and where I'm going to get my ass whooped. I'll take it, you know. I'll, I'll take a quick $500 or whatever. Bro. That's kind of what it seemed like to me because that kid did not have an ounce of training, in my opinion. I hope he made more than 500 bucks, dog. I hope well, he did. I hope he... Okay, look, and we don't know what type of training that guy's had, right? Um, it, it just seemed like it was a but one there of those toss-up But there was fights. definitely a difference in level between Bad Blake, Davis, and Cody. You know what I mean? Like, there Huge was a big difference. And for me, I, again, I was just like Jesse, impressed with how uh, Bad Blake was able to just take care of business. Dude broke his hand on somebody's face legitimately not because he was swinging wildly because he landed so flat on his face that his hand broke that's wild you know what i mean that's wild and uh he still finished the fight with his left hand mm-hmm. you know what i mean he didn't even finish the dude with the right he finished him with his left yep. and he's a righty so it was just an impressive performance by blake um real cool dude we're hoping to have him on the program soon um and I, just a big win for him right to move forward keep his record alive and keep working towards getting a title shot uh, the next fight that we saw was actually a really, a really impressive fight as well with the guy, hometown guy from Miami, a guy, you know, Brian Duran. Yeah, Brian, that guy, a guy with his green hair. That was just his fight, favorite fighter of the night, bro. Bro, that, that guy has it. It. He does. Whatever bro. it is, he has he it. Has it. Yeah, bro. Territorial Hialeah Rooster is what he looked like, <laughs> man. But uh, hey, mad respect to him though because he really like he bulldozed in that fight, man. Like he, it was pure strength, agility. Like he showed so many different aspects of his game. He didn't just go in there like try to be strategic with his strikes. He really went in there and like was aggressive, and he stayed in the pocket, you know, throwing throwing shots. So, um, but and look, and, and he weighed in, you know, a little bit lighter than the one sixty weight limit, you know. So he was giving up some weight, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter for because Brian had bombs in his hands, dude. Straight bombs. And, and there was a I'm pretty sure there was like a height and reach difference too. But Brian Not just, that much because Brian's not that big. That's what I'm saying. He's smaller than he was yeah, smaller than, than yeah. Braden. And he still managed to <laughs> overcome that with his with his quickness and his and his power. Dude, if like from the moment from the moment he first connected on him, right? When he first connected on Brandon, um, I was like, yo, he heard him. He hurt him, and, and he knows that he's hurt because he's like, fuck, I didn't expect this dude to hit this hard. And sure enough, he was able to, not not able to, right? His thing was just staying moving, not giving this guy a single target that he can throw a punch at while he's throwing from all different angles and landing heavy shots, heavy shots. He knocked him down three times, bro. Yeah. He knocked him down three times. No, bro. He, he dominated. Made you, he For made a minute you take and 15 seconds, he times. dominated that kid. He had Clay Guida energy. Yes. Yes, bro. And that's another guy who was working the body, dude. He, the guy came out quick, throwing, again, lots of punches, lots of, of speeds, lots of different angles, lots of, lots of different angles. Um, Just bringing that that power, bro, in that, in that 158 pounds, man. What? What? How? Knocking this dude down. How? You know? And, and that guy's just a monster, bro. And I, you know what? I, shout out to his manager, too, man, because I told him, I was like, yo, you got a real fighter. He's like, he's just getting better. He's just getting better. 
And I'm interested well, he's interested to see what else he can cook up in that 160 division. No, nah, he, he's got the looks. He got the like the persona, the character, the ability. Where I think BKFC is going to go, we got to make sure this kid gets a spotlight. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Um, the next fight though kind of ended kind of whack. And Jesse, I, I, I you know, I, this I wanted was a great fight. It was an amazing fight, but I, I just think that the ending did not. Do it justice. You know what I mean? Like, Jesse, we're talking about the O.J. Uh, Howard uh, versus O.J. Howard. <laughs> Howard Davis. Howard Davis versus Jimmy. Jimmy Rivera. Former Ex- UFC fighter. Yes. Very cool dude. I mean, um, we looked at right before the fight started. They had up on the screen notable opponents of Jimmy Rivera in the past. A couple guys we saw there. I mean. A couple former champs, uh, current champs. Who did we see him? Um, Aljamain Sterling. Uriah Faber. Yeah. Faber. Yeah, Faber. he's fought Faber before. Uh, dude. Chad Mendes. Yeah, dude. It was he's, deep. He's deep resume. a lot of people, man. Yeah, he's got it. So going it. into I saw that, and I'm like, all right, I see this. He's obviously smaller. The smaller guy, shorter guy. This He's fighting a kid that's Howard a foot a taller, foot taller than least. him, more reach and all that, but he doesn't have the experience that a Rivera has. So I was like, I wonder what Rivera's going to do considering he can only box, you know what I mean? Right. And he did what we thought he was going to do. He kept it close. He tried to stay right up on him so that this this long, this long lanky dude could not get a punch off. And we saw a good fight, dude. It was a really good fight um, because I feel like, you know, it's what you said. They were both willing to play their part. Right. Howard had to do a good job of throwing his jabs and trying to close the distance where he can throw power shots and work Jimmy down, break him down, break him down. But props to Jimmy because he fought back and was able to work the inside so well every single time he got an opportunity. And for me, I kind of had a slight edge to Jimmy because I didn't think that Howard did enough with his length. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Jesse, what do you think about that fight? Because I just felt like Howard could have done a little bit more. And Jimmy was definitely more active. Man, Howard was impressive. Mm-hmm. He was. He was impressive. Very impressive. Hands down. He looked sharp, man. His footwork, his, you know, the way he circled away from his opponent's power hand, uh, the way that he snuck in some little sneaky body shots, you know, while he was kind of evading some punches, he would kind of counter to the body. I like that. I like that he was really putting some some power into it. But, I mean, the elephant in the room, man. Howard is like three sizes bigger than him in terms of weight classes. I, the dude looked like I felt like he was fighting a 185 or 145 yeah. or fighting a 185. And we talked about it, man. The size difference is significant. And Jimmy Rivera weighed more than his opponent. So kind of crazy. Uh, how, how do you call that fight, right? How do you even pick a winner in a fight like that you got a guy that has a ton of experience you know he has a a ton of combat experience in general they train everything right and then you have a guy that's a sharp boxer has the has the reach advantage had the speed advantage but like you said the 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 win came about the strategy and that strategy that he put together was he closed the distance and he threw it in the pocket and he was throwing heavy shots every time he came almost in the clinch or in the dirty boxing position, uh, he, I noticed that he would throw like little sneaky over the head, right? And they would they would go into this uh, clinching position in a dirty boxing. And dirty boxing basically means one hand goes behind the head. It's kind of like a plum tie you, in in Muay Thai. They allow that in BKFC, so you can clinch and and it's legal, and you can you know hold the back of the neck and throw shots down the middle. And and he did a good job of that. I, you know, how much taller was uh, oh, I Howard? Think at least at least ten inches. At least uh, I don't have it here, but yeah, but I, 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 I said be, a foot, bro. Listen, I, I said I, a foot taller. I, I, he, I don't think it was a foot, but like Jimmy's like five six, dude. Was, when I saw them, when I saw them, like that they were in the middle of the ring, you know, I was like, damn, 
that size advantage should have been more to Howard's like domination of this dude. Granted, Rivera has the experience with fighting and probably boxing and whatever, whatever. But Howard it ain't no slouch either. You know what I mean? So for the refs to kind of like judge it or draw, I felt like they did that to not disrespect either fighter and say, well, at least you didn't lose the fight. Well, you know, but in my eyes, I just felt like Jimmy's job was harder and he did a better job at it. So he should have won that fight. I agree. I think I think he did enough to win that fight, you know, on the judges scorecard. But as a, going back to BKFC as an organization, this kid Howard is a local kid, right? Yeah. County, this is something that, you know, they're doing a lot here in Florida. They're probably trying to prop up local talent, right? And honestly, man, not just because of that, as the fight went on, this young kid got did better. a hell of a job got better. getting better through each round, like learning, feeling out what Jimmy was doing. Jimmy continued to do whatever he wanted to do. That's the veteran in him, right? He's, he's seasoned. He knows how to fight. That There's no doubt about that. But I was really impressed with the kid, man, as the fight went on and the fact that he was able to last the entirety of the fight, granted, size difference, whatever. But, dude, you're talking about a former UFC fighter with yeah. a bunch yeah. of notches in his belt. Yeah, and he hung in there. You know what I'm saying? Props so I, I'm not upset completely with the tie because of the fact that, in the end, they both gave each other love. That was dope. I know yes. Jesse, was, Jesse was like, I don't know how I feel about that, dog. They were kind of, like, <laughs> carrying each other and shit and, like, you know, shouting each other out, like, yo, good fight, good fight. I don't know. I, I kind of like that. And then the fact that it ended in the tie, it just means, yo, let's run it back. Well, I would love to see those two yeah, dudes that in a, a fight dope again. Ass fight. That would be a dope fight. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to see that again. Like, I, I think uh, when there's more, like, when there's more variables and factors involved in a sport, then I think that's what pushes the, the rematch to happen. And what I mean is, like, if that was an MMA fight and it was a close fight, I would be like, oh, I want to see it again because a lot of different things can happen, right? This is a little bit more of a narrow uh, combat sport. Um, and, I, and I, you know, we had a good example uh, on Saturday night where we, with the first fight between Beck uh, and, and the other young lady, what was her oh, name? Uh, Beck, Brit, and, Beck and Britt. Britt. They had a tremendous first fight. I mean, they put the the map, they put that sport on the map for women's. Yes. That's how good that That's first how fight good was. That first fight was, and then we saw you know the second fight not be as entertaining. So it, it kind of goes per- like perfect segue, by the way. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, that's kind of this guy. Look hey, at this listen, guy learning. I'm just I'm just saying, man. Like we had that perfect example of we had high expectations for yeah. this fight to go. A that's certain a very way, good point, and it didn't. And it know? didn't. And and look, you know what? That that Howard Jimmy fight was amazing. Right. Yeah, just to wrap that one up. Just to wrap that one up, it was an amazing fight. Maybe they don't get to scrap in the future, but at least we know the next time we see those guys what to expect from them individually. We know that Howard is going to bring his game, and we know that Jimmy's definitely a, a force to be reckoned with in bare knuckles. So. If they don't fight each other, whoever they fight, I will be a fan. I will want to see that I fight. Wanna, and exactly. That's, and that's why I said I don't want to see a rematch, because they both that's won. Fair. Let them go do their own route. Let them build their own path yeah, and, and see what happens if they run again you know at a more appropriate time later on in the future great i already have some history love that but yeah like your segue led us to let, let's talk about the worst fight of the night beck rollins versus britney britney hart um brit britain hart let me say that correctly britain hart um that fight was bro disappointing so this was a rematch this like just just alluded to first time around with fireworks i heard highly highly anticipated i didn't Yo, see that first fight but i heard it was Ben Nuts. came out of retirement for this fight. Three years. Didn't fight. Came out of retirement for this fight, for this rematch. You know what I mean? And it felt like neither neither one of them were willing to take a risk. 
And when when you're not willing to take a risk in fighting, then then you're doing something terribly wrong. Like something is off. You know what I mean? Like, and especially being women, knowing that you're gonna have some type of you're starting already with some backlash. You need to go out there and put a hell of performance on. And I just don't think neither one of them were, were willing to risk enough, right? We saw um, Britain, Britain uh, really jab a lot. She threw like 150 jabs in those five rounds. Probably connected 30%, 40%. But she was able to do some damage and really kept Beck Rawlings away, you know, and, and work the ring and not really try to engage with her. And then for Beck also, she didn't do enough to like charge forward and really say, F it. I'm going to risk taking one or two jabs or a hook or whatever to get this knockout punch or whatever. Neither one of them were willing to do anything to entertain. No. Us. Beck was more, Beck Rollins was more concerned with her ponytail that kept coming undone. So weird. Than, than trying to be the aggressor. Because she, like, it, it seemed like she kept waiting, waiting, like waiting. And then the fight ended and she was still waiting and waiting. And I'm like, what you know they they went the unanimous decision they would have gone with a draw there i would have been like yeah that's yeah, fair that's fair <laughs> yeah they both they were underwhelming and then to top it all off once the fight is over then they want to start jawing at each other and getting in each other's faces like you had three rounds you had six entire minutes to do just this why are you going to talk now you know what's funny um so before that happens right the like in the fifth round you see them you know, the last 30 seconds, Beck is like, come on, you know, like, engage, like, and, you know, this girl's moving around, moving around, and she's like, oh, I'm using my brain, I'm using my brain, and then Beck called this other girl a P-word, which I'm thinking is very disrespectful when it comes from a woman to a woman. Like for a pussycat? P, P for personal. Yeah, P for personal. Pussycat. That's the one. Yep. And, um, bruh. That's when I knew, like, all right, yeah, this this beef is personal, but you got to be smart and say, hey, why aren't we, um like, putting on this show now? Again, they disappointed. Yeah. The fight was whack, not worth her coming out of retirement, not worth the viewership. And me, personally, that was the one fight I got up during to go get a drink and came back. And not to mention, not worth us spending this much time on it. So, without further ado, let's jump into the co-main event. We had Yuli Monster, right, versus Francesco Ricci. And these guys were fighting. Is it Ricci? Is it Ricky? Yeah, it's Ricci. Because I heard a couple of different pronunciations that night. He's Italian, man. We got to get him on the show and have him clear Yeah, up. Francisco. But, what up, baby? Nah, we're going to holler at you soon, man. Yo, we're going to get him on soon. Another dope fight. Another was, amazing fight. And shout out to both of those guys because they, they said something that Jesse really stood out to me. Um, they both said that they were the only ones willing to fight each other. And, and that was huge. And they're boys. And they're boys. And they're from Miami. And they're both from Miami. Look at that, man. More, more impressively, man, you said one thing earlier in the show that that is so effective, right? So it's it's the primary tool that's being used is in these fights are the jab. It's to gauge distance. It's to to get a good idea of 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 where you can land your power shots, how to set up those power shots, and sometimes it's not so much about power in your jab; it's about your jab sets up your power. Correct. And um, one thing I noticed with uh in, in this fight is that richie landed a couple heavy jabs yes. early on and he finished the fight with a jab and bro and if you think about it just like when i was looking at his fight plan i was like okay let's see what he has you're 100 percent right he was like i'm gonna do one one two one one two and every time that straight wide will come down it was it was smack on yuli's 
freaking nose, man. Every single time, like straight line of sight. And I'm thinking to myself, man, his game plan is really working because he's able to not only manipulate the fight in the direction, but he also knows that he's got the timing down so he can put extra power, less power, extra power, less power, and really conserve his energy while moving and evading. You know, because a lot of this game is blocking too and being able to evade and, and get away from somebody. You know what I mean? Those are the main things that help um, you set up your offense from your defense. So, like, you'll see guys blocking and, like, evading and whatnot. Almost shadow boxing. Correct, in a way. right? You're shadow boxing in a way where, like, I know what, what combo you're trying to throw and I'm anticipating your combo. Right. But in that, the, in that head game, uh, you know, you can be kind of sneaky. And, yes. and you see them sneak in a little weird shot where you're like, man, I thought he was going to go ahead. And he went, you know, he went liver shot. And yeah. it's like, whoa, that was a good little switch up. Uh, well, that's what I think that Yuli wasn't expecting, right? He wasn't expecting Francesco to really change levels because Francesco is so, so much taller than Yuli, right? So it would take a lot for him to come down, really strike, and then come back up and defend. But his, his uh, you know, not being able to anticipate that, that's what really did him in because on that particular thing, you, uh, Francesco was using the one one two. Yuli was blocking down. He came up, swung straight, and split him wide open. Bam! And I was like, ah, oh, that's man the down. one. Man, man down. down. Man, man down. down. But you know what, man? If you watch the last five seconds of that knockdown, basically the, the knockout, because he didn't get he didn't get back up right. after that. Um, he was circling away from the power shot. Correct. Which Uli was actually doing the correct thing, you know, basically yeah, circling away from the power shot. Right. And Richie adjusted and kind of turned his body throwing the right while Uli is circling to his right. It, typically, you catch him with your left while yes. they're circling to their right. And he still he caught, caught him. him with the right while he was circling to the right. Sick. You know, flush, man. Some of these Sick. shots are so precise. They don't even need to have so much power b- behind them. They just need to be, you know... Perfect. Perfectly placed. Not necessarily perfectly placed, but, like, you got to pick your time, right? The timing of it is, is what matters, huge. right? It's huge. It, it adds much more as a X factor because once you hit the timing on the punch or when you say, all right, this is the type of punch I'm going to land here, damn, then what you're doing is you're just increasing the chances of your punch doing much more damage or being much more successful, right? And we saw, you know, him take real advantage of that and ultimately walk away with the middleweight title. It's an interim title, right? And we saw that his next opponent is going to be um, coming up soon. That was the dude who jumped in the ring, right? Um, uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how he's going to be able to keep developing his game plan. Because, like I said, his height and his length makes his fight much more harder for his opponent. Because not only do you have to come at him and up, now he's he, he sees your punches coming. And, again, he's very quick, very shifty dude. Being a middleweight, having Thiago Alves in the, uh, the pit bull in that in that division, like lots of people in that division that that would be willing to to fight this guy and take that belt. And I think Frank has a Frankie has a good chance of holding it, man. He has a good there, chance, and he list. has a great walking song too. I don't know if you guys heard it. He was walking into Frankie Blue Eyes. You guys heard it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, you got to press that button. Sorry about that. I'm back. I was yeah. You got to press few, that button to talk. I was dealing with a few things behind the scenes, but um, I'm sure you guys covered this fight. Just as I would have, no, you know, in better. great fashion, or yeah, probably better than I would have could. <laughs> um, thanks for that. You're welcome. But um, one thing I do want to shout out, man, um, shout out to Yuli. You know what I mean? To, Absolutely. To, it kind of felt like in retrospect, like when we heard everything that happened, it was like, 
He looked out for his boy. You know what I mean? He Absolutely. didn't have to take that fight. Maybe he wasn't ready for that fight. Maybe that was something he didn't want. He wanted to take that fight because it is his boy. You know what I mean? And um, it sucked. It was a doctor stoppage. He needed to get stitches, I'm sure. He had a big gash, and that's why the fight couldn't go on. Um, but, man, Francesco, he that guy's a man of the people. We were, you know, in the middle. We were watching, getting ready for the, the Palomino fight, and he was up in our section taking pictures of people already. Yeah, he's a badass, bro. Super dope, bro. Yeah, about then, 30 people out there. And then he waited outside and stuff, and he took pictures with everybody and, and all that. We got a couple, yes. you know, pictures with him and all that. So, real, real dope dude. You know, the fact that he was able to fight and then kind of, Enjoy and relish in that victory, even though it was against somebody that he knows, you know, well. Um, but now he's what five and zero in BKFC, yeah, and, the and champ. he has the belt, and he has the belt. Interim champ is the champ in my book. That, that I mean, what, what more can you ask for? Now you got to defend, right? Yeah, now you got to defend, and there's a list of you know heavy tanks in that division. heavy tanks, man. Really but 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 you know what though, man? One thing I really like about him is his reach. He's a big, long guy for that division. Absolutely. There's not that many guys in that division. No, no, There's no, no. shorter, stockier uh, guys, stockier running back looking guys. The guy that he called out, right? Yeah. Well, the next guy we met him too. Yeah. Smart, smart, his name. smart call out. You're gonna call out a guy that's that has a lot less of a reach advantage than you do, right? He yeah, but he's jacked. He might have that power punch, right? And then that's where the strategy comes, right? That's why we watch because you have a guy that has probably more power than he does, but then you have a guy that might be able to keep the distance and pick him apart. Yeah, now he's got to fight uh, Mike, the Marine Richmond, which is the dude's name. Who we met him. Yeah, we met him after which, the fight. By the way, I, we were talking about this. They don't test for. I don't know. No, no hell no. They, they can't. Test for they don't anything. Anything. All right, make sure. Well, don't even worry about that. Whatever. The point is that he's a cool guy, too. It looks like he's very willing and able to fight. And between him and Francesco, man, I think that would be an excellent, excellent middleweight fight. Let's talk about the co-event, man. The main event of the evening. We're coming up on an hour. Yeah. Just this BKFC stuff, man. It was deep. But that's what happens when you're in person and there. It was a hell of a time. We cover it. And definitely for the next one, we got to go out there with the Sports with Soso crew. Yeah. We got to get everybody out there, bro. No, no. It'd be way better with like 30, 40 heads out there. I got my notes. I got my notes. We're going to talk after the show um we're talking about elvin brito versus luis palomino for the welterweight championship of the world baboon baboon and man shout out to brito bro because that guy fights like nobody else man that guy has a style that is irreplaceable heavy-footed heavy-footed hands low moving side to side Moving front to back at the same time. That's a dense dude, man. I can see it from the from where we were. We were, you know, we were a little bit up there. But tell me that quick from, hands, quick hands, huh? Quick hands. Because yeah, Palomino was landing his shots, but he's landing his second and third shot. He never caught him on his first shot because he, that's how that's how fast he was and how good he is with his hands being low. That he, that you know, Palomino had to get him on the second, third, fourth, fifth attempt. And granted, he landed on him. You know what I mean? That's a, ultimately. Um, Ended up really landing more significant blows, in my opinion, right? I didn't even really take that much notes about this fight because I was I was m- more trying to watch it live. You're soaking it I in. I was soaking it in. And Brito really was trying to bait Palomino into a slug fest. And it never happened. It never happened. Palomino, so smart, man. Discipline. 
Yes, bro. And 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 he executed his game plan to the T. He landed about 16 left hooks that that fight, bro, that were devastating. Maybe not full of power, but just enough where he just let Brito know like, "Hey, you're not coming in to win this round. Hey, you're not coming you're in not to coming win this in fight. At all. You're not coming in here. Every time you come in here, here's here's another left. Here's another left. Here's another left." Really putting the pressure on him. Brito like I said, was trying to talk to him in the fight, trying to engage him to kind of like just pull him out of his game. Even the way, like even in the way that Brito was walking into the ring, you know, I was just figuring that like he's just trying to play mind games with Palomino. Palomino being the the champion, right? The five time eight division champion that he is. Guys has more belts, real championship belts than actual regular belts. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. He has more re- championship belts than regular belts. Dog. To That's the point weird. where his championship belts are now his regular belts. They're right? his regular belts, man. Um, that guy just was so keen on his offense and his defense that ultimately it was a in my in my you know point of view a no brainer who won that fight. Clearly, Palomino. Palomino won that fight. What do you think, Joe? Well, I mean, no, everybody, everybody thought. I mean, he won unanimously. I got it. Where is it at? Right here. Yeah, it was a unanimous. They, they decision. scored it forty-eight, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-seven, forty-nine, forty-six. Unanimous decision, all for Palomino. I mean, he he put it. He put in the work, bro. I mean, there was no doubt. But props to Brito. Lots Hell of, of a props. fighter. My goodness. Another guy that I would not mind watching in another fight because. The fact that he was able to go the distance with a guy like Palomino in that fight, granted, he was the champ, right? Yeah. He was the defending champion, but we know Palomino's a stud, bro. I mean, this kid's, this guy's, he's a beast. No, you hit it on the head. I mean, how many fights did we watch that didn't go the distance? Yep. And one of them was probably, you know, the the best way we could summarize it was uh, Rose Namajunas versus Carla Esparza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing happened. Nothing right? happened. Right? No the, bathroom breaks. Then you had that one. <laughs> Lots of bathroom that, breaks. That was like a Spartan fight, man. Like, these guys went on three rounds. I'm sorry, all five rounds, two yeah. minutes each. Yeah. Um, you know, adjusting, 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 constantly embracing change, constantly making these adjustments on the fly. You You nailed it, though, man. This was a story of volume. And um and Palomino, you know, got the got the edge on that. He threw he did not throw one single punch. I think he started off early on, he threw a jab, and then I think after that, I don't I don't remember him throwing one single shot alone. He throws everything to set it up. And you never know which is the power punch. He's a tap, 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 power punch. You a lot of fates. You don't know if it's coming to the body, you don't know if it's coming to the head, you don't know if it's coming to the liver. I mean I mean, perfect, look, Joel perfect. just said it. You mentioned it that night. Lots of feints. Your feint game has to be on point. And Palomino's feint game is perfect that night. He really executed his game plan to the T. Not to say that Brito's was not elite. No. Because that dude, that's the best, in my opinion. He's, I mean, he got the belt. So yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's the biggest win of his career, right? He got right. the belt. But to me, I've seen a couple of his fights, and I'll tell you that that was... He was, like, right there with the champ. I mean, I don't even know if I agree with those scorecards. I thought it was a pretty close fight. Mm. If it could have gone a split decision, I think that he got a 46-49 because Palomino at the end was avoiding and evading the shots. He right. wasn't really getting lit up. No. He was more in control of the, of the circle pace. square. Right. No, he, <laughs> he, controlled the, he controlled the fight. <laughs> at that point, he knew it. He knew it. Hey, I, I beat him at his own game plan. He didn't get me to his game plan, and it's over. This guy has nothing left. And the mental warfare part, he Sheesh. won as well. Yeah. He won as well because Brito went in there to intimidate him, and this guy has a steel dome. And, it, and, and look, ultimately, that's what wins you fights. 
You know, whether it's bare knuckle, whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, when you're the guy who can keep a clear head, right, execute your game plan, really keep a cool conscience, you're going to go out there and you're going to win more fights than not. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, you can get luck on your side and you catch somebody on the button, but ultimately you want to go out there and execute your game plan because that's what you train for. Um, Palomino, man, great champion. A big shout out to him. He mentioned us on his story and stuff like that. So hopefully we can have the, the champ, 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 champ on pretty soon um and the rest of the bkfc guys man we, we we saw the other heavyweight champ out there well we saw ben rothwell out there we got to see another new heavyweight get in there greg hardy jesse's kind of hinting that those guys are going to be fighting each other soon and hopefully they doing shit we'll be in the building whether it's here and in orlando man always down for a little road trip a good time absolutely. no we'll, we'll definitely be back if it's at the hard rock for sure absolutely we will be there that's our new you know event to go to and then even on the road, you know, if they're they're putting on a good card and it's somewhere where we can go and maybe get around in there in the day and watch hey. some fights at night, you know, let's in play. Why not? Why but, not? Uh, hell, of, hell, of a, hell of a time, boys. It was a great Definitely time. got to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jesse, for bringing that up to our attention, man, because without you bringing it up, we probably wouldn't even known. And now we were able to do a, uh, an event out of it. And that was awesome, bro. But Shout out to of, you, man. I appreciate it, man. And first of many. Yeah, bro, absolutely. First of many, man. Um, actually, I have something I want to talk to you after after the show. But let's talk Marlins real quick, bro. Um, they split their home series stand, right? They l- swept the Rockies, but lose two of three to the Mets. And I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, but four out of six wins isn't that bad. But you split the series, still kind of positive. But I was kind of looking for like a five and one homestand. Yeah, but you're you're probably just still more hurt because the Mets beat us recently again too. I hate that. We just we played them two series in the last like two weeks. I hate it. They they bested us twice. I think I hate it more because like they bought their team. You know, like the Marlins are doesn't. Yeah, but I'm saying like the Marlins are building their team. The Mets just. Bought their team and they have to win now because if the Mets don't win right yeah, now, like their regular season, they're and once watch you're gonna see now after the all star break. Mark my words, mark my words, the Mets are gonna start going downhill after the all star break. I'm telling I, you right now, I bet, I bet, I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it. But, um, dude, but a lot of good things coming from these series. Granted, yes. we would have wanted to win a couple more against the Mets, yes, but there's a lot of good stuff that's happening right now. I mean, the last time we got together, we talked about the emergence of Herrera. Encarnacion yes. with the grand slam that he had yes. and then now this week we got some new guys stepping we, up for us we have another rookie um what's his name i just had it oh fortes alex fortes, hit alex the, fortes. he hit the he hit a game winner yep, the against grand, the, the walk off a little walk off but even in, in On sunday sunday afternoon but yeah but like even in the series against colorado right we had steven um okert okert Steven yep. Oker get two wins, right? Coming out in middle relief, improving to 5-0, and five wins on the regular season for the Marlins. A guy who can come in and really settle down a game, give you solid pitching, give you solid performance, give you solid innings, and, and ultimately win you games. So that just shows you how bad the Marlins bullpen is in need of steady pitches when a guy like him has five wins on the season which is probably more than most of our starters. He's probably tied. I think he's tied with T-Raw. Check how many wins T-Raw has on the season. Sure. Because, because last last I checked, T-Raw had won three games or four games. Um, even though he's going to be pitching coming up in the in the next couple of series, he has two starts coming up. You know, That's a guy who's been struggling, but we get five wins out of a guy from our middle relief. 
you know, and Steve. T. Raw is three and six this season. Look at that. So for a guy again like Stephen Oker to have five wins on the season just shows you how some of the players that we were depending on have not worked out for the Marlins, and some of the guys that we weren't really depending on are shining. You know, um, one of the guys that we're that's definitely shining that we're probably not giving enough enough love to is Garrett Cooper. Garrett Cooper has been the most consistent player for the Marlins, and we haven't shouted him out enough. Now, granted, a lot of that shine goes away because you're playing next to a guy like Jazz who's out there shining literally on the court with his shiny cleats and all this stuff, making amazing plays. Um, but Garrett Cooper, man, just comes to work every day, dog. That guy comes to work. He hits for average. He, you know, He'll hit for power every now and then. And he'll really be a, a guy that you can throw in the lineup and say, I can expect this guy to do something with 25 at-bats, 20 at-bats in this series. Again, not a guy that... The Marlins look at it and say, we depend on Gary Cooper to win games. Or we're depending on this guy to have a hell of a season for, which, for us to win games. But when you look at his stats, you look at the numbers that he's putting up and, and the timely hits that he's put in, um, the game-winning hits that he's done. I just feel like Gary Cooper could deserve a little bit more love for Marlins fans, you know. And I know that Jazz is definitely going to make the All-Star game. He's leading the all second basemen in the National League with over a million votes so far. Shout out to you, Marlins fans, for voting Jazz into the All-Star game, which we got to continue to vote guys in there. But Gary Cooper, man, been de- yeah. ke- dealing, man. He's pulled, been killing it. I pulled it up for you. He's batting right now, 307. Has, uh, let me see here, how many RBIs? 35 RBIs in the season, five home runs. And uh, what what else would you want to see here? No, I'm just I'm just saying like those I mean are, those are great stats. Again, they're they're leading our the average is leading our team. Consistency, baby. and he's also played in 63 out of 71 games a season. Consistency, that's that's what you need from a guy. You know, that's what you need from baseball players. You need consistency. Um, a guy who's been consistent, but he pretty much got rocked against uh, the Mets. That's been Sandy Alcantara. Um, you know, he got roughed up by Francisco Lindor. He pretty much got him for. I think four RBIs that day hit, hit him with a home run, and it was just a bad outing. And that kind of just lingered on because Pete Alonso hit two home runs the next game against us to kind of beat us at home like that. And then that's when we get the walk-off win from Flores to kind of salvage the homestand and, and get that last win so you don't do that 500 split. But for the Marlins, man, you got to keep winning those those games at home, man. You know, it's nice to have the rookie step up and, and get the dub. You know, because he's at home, probably has a lot of people in the stands. He's making his debut and and whatnot. So he's get to play baseball in front of people that he loves. And for him to hit a game-winning home run, that's all any baseball player really loves to do. So that's pretty cool that he got to do that. But I, I just want more consistency from the Marlins, right? Like Pablo Lopez had a great game against the Rockies. He improved to 5-3 and three on the season. I'm hoping that he can come back and give us some extra type of innings and get some wins for us. Like I mentioned, T-Raw, he's been really struggling this season. He's going to be facing a lot of the pitchers that, that we have in this seven-game road trip against um, Seattle and Washington. And that in that in that specific road trip, we're going to have Pablo Lopez pitch twice. So hopefully we get two wins there. But we're also going to have Braxton Garrett pitch twice. And he hasn't had the greatest of seasons as a Marlins pitcher. And those are guys that we need to step up. You know, ultimately, we need those guys to step up and really start contributing more often. Or maybe we make a deal. I don't know, man. Marlins are what? It's no rumors, though. There's no, no, no Time movement. to fill the gap. 30, 33 and 38. Like, you got to, you know, we were six games under 500 last time we recorded. Now we're five games under 500. 
possibility was to gain some of that, right, with these next two series against St. Louis and Washington. I feel like there, there are games to be won there, right, especially with Pablo Lopez pitching twice. Um, I don't know, man. We're going to get Sandy once. We're going to get T-Raw once. Let's see. Let's see what happens, bro. But I just don't I, – I know that the Marlins need – to, to even it out they need to get to 500 um i'm hearing a lot of rumors about donnie baseball getting on the hot seat i don't think that he's gonna make it throughout the season because it's been enough you know not saying that he's done a bad job but at some point maybe you want to move in a different direction right yeah and there's also some questionable stuff i mean going back to incarnacion we saw him you know hit that grand slam for us the other day yeah didn't play again he hasn't played him again <laughs> why are why are we well, I mean, what do we have to lose right now that we're not playing people that... Play the talent. You know, what, what's going on? You know, you got to play the best guys on the field. If, 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 you're, if your talent is, is out there and you're balling, go out there and ball, right? Go out there and put the kids out there. See what you have because it's not like we're expecting you to win or, or for you guys to, um, for you guys to, to make the playoffs or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, we're just expecting you guys to go out there and put out a good product on the field and show us new people that we can get adjusted to and people that we can fall in love with, like Jazz. Imagine Jazz doesn't win that, that second baseman spot and doesn't get the opportunity to hit through his bad streaks and, and stuff like that. We would have never seen this guy develop. Right. You got to give those guys a chance, especially Absolutely. with the Marlins, man. So, I love Don. I mean, I think I think he is great, you know, and I think, you know, he's working with what he but you know, at some you know, some point we gotta start asking ourselves, you know, is this is this the guy? You know, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, three game series against St. Louis starts tonight, Monday that we're recording, and then Friday through Monday we are gonna be in Washington. Hopefully, the Marlins can get four out of those games, maybe three out of those games. I'll take three. How about that? By the time we come back in studio um, with our with with our no, not with our guests. The next weekend is. Guess, mm. but by the time we come back, hopefully the Marlins would have won three games from this road trip right here. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, just to kind of wrap up the show, man. I don't know if you heard, but the Panthers hired a new coach. Yep, Paul Maurice. Uh, let's see. Big shoes to fill, in my opinion, because the interim coach uh, did a great job. Managed the team literally. He did, he, he did a good job. Yo. It's not easy for you to take over somebody else, albeit a really good team, in a scandalous fa- fashion with a ton of media on you and a ton of pressure and consistently win games. It's not like he flooded into the playoffs. No, the Panthers were a number one seed, dog. Like, we, we were that team, and it was under him. So, yeah, maybe he wasn't as experienced as Paul is, right? But... He was capable. He, the team won under him. The team liked him. Now this next dude coming in, Paul Maurice, I feel like the pressure's on him to take us to that next level, no matter what. Because if the interim coach can take us to the second round and win us a first series in 20-something years, 20 years, what are you going to do for us? Oh, well, you got to take us to the Stanley Cup because we're, we're expecting to jump the second round. We're, we're that good. The, the Panthers are that good. We've invested that much. So this next coach better step his ass up 
you know, and know that he's stepping into some big, big shoes, you know, big, big shoes. While we're talking about hockey, hockey season is officially over, meaning baseball season is the only active major league sport going on right now. That's it. The Colorado Avalanche took Boo. down the Tampa Bay Lightning Boo. five games to one or four games to Six. one. Yeah, four to four to four Six games games. two. Four games to two, which kind of sucks because it's like I would have liked the Lightning to win so that we can always say, hey, we got knocked out by the eventual Stanley like Cup champions. Shit. The dynasty team, three in a row, all that. But the Avalanche said, not today. Not today. And they ended a 20-year drought for themselves. Whatever. Winning this championship. So shout out to those guys, man. I guess. But the Panthers, we're going to be back, and we're going to be better next year. This is only Panthers talk, baby. So forget the Cavs. Forget the Avs. Forget the Lightning. Forget all those teams. It's all about the Panthers. It's a championship or bust. Stanley Cup or bust. So that's, that's, that's that, as they say. Um, we also saw that he pick up a Djokovic or some sort. <laughs> Nikola huh? Djokovic. Huh? Djokovic. A Djokovic of some sort. Nah, Nikola Djokovic is the 27th pick for the Heat in the first round. 6'10", 6'11", power forward. Can shoot it. 19 years old. I had the over-under of him being, like, games played in a Heat uniform for his career is probably be under 10. Like, on the floor, dog, like, under 10. Why is that? I just don't think he's going to stick around. For me, for me, right, European players are always risky, right? Because you see them dominating over there, and it's like, wow, this kid has freaking talent. He's 6'10", tremendo speed. He can shoot it. He can dribble. He knows how to finish. All this stuff. All this stuff. But then they come to the NBA and it's like, well, where's the dominant guy? You know, where's your where's your game? And they tend to lose it a lot easier. Now, we've seen some different examples. Luca, you know what I mean? And like uh, Antetokounmpo, right? So many different examples. So many different examples. Um, French players for the longest, right? Manu and those boys. But let me tell you something. None of those people went through the Miami Heat factory. You know, you know what? I'm going to disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> thank you. I'll tell you why. You said tell he's 6'10". Uh-huh. He's 6'10 now. Right. For now. He, uh, he's not growing anymore, dog. He's 19 years old, bro. You two more years. Grow? He, he has, has two, two more years. years. Guys. Facts. Guys. He has two more years to okay, grow. Okay, okay. So let me ask you a question. He grows, let's say, three more inches, and he stays that skinny. Does that help him? Yeah. Hell No. He's going to get destroyed by Embiid in that skinny-ass body. Get the hell out of here. I don't he's not going to have to worry about Embiid because he's not going to be playing in the post. I think what he'll be mean, more of a stretch four, though. I don't think yeah. he's going to be our center. I think Correct. Yurtz is going to be our center. I think Yurtz... Oh. We're, what we're doing, and, and from my perspective, is mm-hmm. that they the Heat like to be extremely stubborn in terms of giving minutes to players that haven't yes. earned it. Easy. This is your first year, your first year here. You're going to learn. You're not getting minutes. You're going to learn and you're going to earn. So that's kind of our formula. Like we, like we did with Duncan. What, what happened with Duncan? We picked him out, needle in the haystack. We developed him. We, we, we let him get perspective throughout a year or two. Yeah, but we didn't then, draft yeah. him. But the, we didn't draft him. And, and drafting players is always different, right? Because let's be, let's be real. That's probably not the guy. That's probably not the number one guy that they had picked that night. But wouldn't you say it's more impressive that we're – getting these undrafted players and making them even better than some of the guys in the draft. Right. What are we going to do with the guy from the draft? Right. Bam. Great point. 
Time uh, out. Uh, go uh, ahead. Uh, no, yeah, Bam. Hero, uh-huh. hero is is you can't really argue because hero's good, right? But we'll see. We'll see where he gets. First year went to the finals, great. Second year a little slow. Third year a little bit better. So that one is. It, it, I guess I, I would that wouldn't be the best example for for, um, for me. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, finish that thought. Richardson, you know another great example. Somebody, yeah, but still that playing. guy's flopped in the NBA too. He, he's been around in a couple different teams. And now he's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. He's a journeyman, but he's not six. That's 10. perfectly fine. But <laughs> we we look we look at the intangibles, right? This guy's six ten, six eleven. He shoots. He moves like KD, right? He's young. He's 19 years old. All right. And there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of ceiling for him. So you say you don't see this guy playing in Heat jersey. Perfectly fine. If it happens in a way that we get the guy that I was just talking about, which is KD, in the sense that we're talking about now, the rumors with Kyrie, the rumors with, you know, what's the godfather move? Is it go after Kyrie or let Kyrie, you know, go ahead and do whatever he has to do and then go after KD when he's unhappy and wants out? Shout out to Brian Windhorst for for the, you know, for for saying that on ESPN. Great idea. So I can definitely see now, all right, hey, we got a European white KD, you know, right, that has a lot of KD... Like, you know, attributes, 6'11", can move, can shoot, can do this, can do that. All right, well, let's get that guy. You're going to get, Brooklyn, you're going to get this young kid, right? We're also going to throw at you a shooter in Duncan Robinson, right? We're also going to throw at you another guy in Tyler Hero who's been phenomenal. And, and send KD our way. Here's, what, here's the only problem with all of that. You can take Lowry, too, while we're at it. Yeah, right? <laughs> take Kyle Lowry while we're at it, dog. Here's the problem with all of that. All of that depends on one big if. If KD says, I'm out. If this dude can handle the rigors of heat training and, he, and, and heat physical training, meaning going in there lifting weights by yourself, working on your, on your game by yourself, not just the heat coddling you. We're going to give you the game plan, dog, but you need to follow it. And I think KD would do that. Not he, saying KD. I'm talking yeah. about the draft pick. I'm saying oh, I'm, uh, I, I, I was, I was referencing, referencing the, the draft pick. Oh, a lot of these things are ifs. If this kid pops off, if KD says he wants out, right? Kyrie already says he wants out, but obviously we're not going to trade for Kyrie if we have freaking Kyle Lowry. That just like, obviously uh, Irvin is better, but how do you make the money match? All this stuff. There's a lot that goes into that. My point being is this. Right now it's silly season in the NBA, right? So a lot of things can technically stick to the wall. Technically. I just feel like until somebody comes out and says, whether through their agent, through somebody, says, hey, I could o- I only want to go here, here, and Miami, then I'll be intrigued, right? Because, like, we heard that a little bit with Bradley Beal, where Bradley Beal's getting rumored, and he's, like, Houston telling him, like, no, Papa, we're going to buy you out, or we're going to trade you. Trust me, you're out of here, but we're going to find the right home for you. And then he'll come. I'm pretty sure he already told him, like, well, these are the only five teams that I'll, that I'll go to. If not, I'll just opt out and become a free agent. No, no, no. We'll figure it out. Whatever. Let me post a question to you, and sure. I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think would be a better – who do you think would be a better player on our team um, considering the assets that we have that we can get rid of? Would you rather have KD, knowing that you're going to give up some pieces? Bro, or, anything that – come on, dog. I, anything, or, anything that you say there. I'd rather have KD. I won't. Of okay. course you do because, look – What about Beal? You don't I, think Beal would be a better fit in our team and we don't have to break up the core of the team because to get KD, you have you're going to gonna get, no, listen, to get KD, Hero and Bam, bye. 
They're that's gone. okay. They're that's gone. okay. But you see, that's also that's also kind of giving up the future of the team, right? But that's the core both, of the but, team. But let me tell you something, dog. That's our that's our mo, dog. Pat Wait, Riley. Right now? Pat Riley's not waiting for Hero to maybe turn into a Dwayne Wade. I'm thinking more of a switch he's, with he's, Hero and Beal. He's not. That's wa- what I was thinking. He's like, not waiting. But look, even still, Duncan and, and and Hero for Beal. Let me tell and 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 just to kind of like wrap up on the Heat, right? Mm-hmm. He just just to let you know where I'm at right now today as a Heat fan. I don't think that Bam has proven himself yet. I just don't think that he's done enough. We've seen him in the finals. We've seen him in the playoffs consistently. I don't think he's done enough to say, you're the guy. And we already gave him the max max extension. I can look at him and be like, you're not the guy. Jimmy's our guy. We gave him that money. He's earning those 30 plus whatever million dollars he's making a year. Bam's not there. So if any trade comes up where I come, come up with KD, who's willing to win a championship today and can win me a championship today, I'm going to do that trade. And I'm going to include Bam and Hero. Every single time. Every single time. That's like saying you're not going to trade for a Shaq or for a Kobe. Hell no. You pull that trigger. If they can tell you, hey, you can get Steph Curry. What? Dale, hey, I'm sending my brother over there, dog. <laughs> Golden State, congratulations. He's the per- best engineer w- we have in Miami. He's yours now. What do you think would be the Jordan, best? I love you. I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you think would be the best move for the Heat? The more realistic move is Bradley Beal, because that I I you can make that move without having to move Lowry's contract, and that's the big, that's the big if. That's the big. How if. do we do it? Right? How do you do that? How do you do that? I, I always. Uh, I always what thought, team is really gonna? Uh, my bad. But no, no. what team is really gonna say I'm willing to help you the Heat out get a championship? Sheesh, that's tough. You know. The only one that I can think of is Utah because we got a friend inside the network there, but he also has a job to do. You know, you can't rely on Dwayne Wade saying, yeah, I'll trade you Spider Mitchell for right. peanuts. <laughs> you know, give me back Bam. Yeah, all right, cool, no problem. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, I, I wish, man. I wish. But. I guess the good thing to kind of wrap it up, I think, is that we have a lot of options, right? Yeah, there's plenty of options that he can make a lot of moves. Um, our our first-round draft picks in the future are going to be available for trade. Um Certain guys that opt in or opt out, we will we'll be able to move their contracts. Um, a lot, a lot, man, a lot, and we'll definitely get into it more as things progress, right? But for right now, I think the Heat are in a wait and see approach, right? Wait and see what happens, and, and you got to let a star player call our name and say Heat or or bust, and then we can start throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> but um, Jesse, man, I appreciate you, brother, for yeah, joining us, man. Time. What an amazing, amazing episode, bro. What an amazing event that we got to witness in, in person at Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 26 at the Hard Rock. Um, I can't wait to do another event like that with you, brother. And um, Joel, you know what time it is, brother. We got to tell a friend, man. Tell a friend. Hit my music, though, dog. No. You forgot? No, I'm not going to do that. All right. Don't they got to tell No, seriously, you need to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, no, I'm not on the camera, even though I'm trying to talk to one it's all right i now. got you technical difficulty i got you what i need is you guys to go to our youtube channel and press that subscribe button thank you that's the only way that you're gonna be able to really tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend the moment you hit that subscribe button you're gonna get a notification whenever we're dropping hot shit like that 365 flag football video that we got that's waiting on you guys to hit 125 subscribers it's all in so your hands. let's go man get the working Tell a friend to tell a friend to hit that subscribe button. Get your mom's phone. Hit that subscribe button. Get your little brother's phone. 
Hit that subscribe button. That's let all. let the people know that you're listening to Sports with Social because we're gonna keep bringing you amazing content, man. What you gotta do is tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, and I can't hammer that enough. Subscribe to that YouTube Let's channel. Let's go, Joel. Until next time, brother. Peace. Peace.